talks right here. We gon' talk about it right here. We gon' talk about everything you like. I'ma make it real, real clear. It's today talks right here. We gon' talk about it right here. I'ma talk about everything you like. I'ma make it real, real clear. Cause it's today talks. And I'ma talk about it. Yeah, cause it's today talks. And I'ma talk about it, about it, about it. November 22nd, 2014, our lives changed forever. That is the day that our beloved mother, Beverly Sims, departed the earth physically. It was the most devastating day. In this episode entitled, The Day My Mom Died, you'll get a detailed account on the week leading up to her death and the events that took place on the actual day. We hope this episode encourages you. We hope this episode gives you a little bit of understanding of what we've been going through since our mother departed, how we're coping and the grieving process that is an ongoing process. So, um, Open your ears and open your hearts as my sister and I take you on the journey of the day our mom died. And welcome to this special episode of the Tanae Talks podcast where uh, I have a special guest in the building recording at Hello Studios in downtown Dallas. It's a beautiful day. And today I have in the studio with me my big sister, Clarice King. Welcome to the show, Clarice. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. Uh, so this year will mark six years since our mother passed on. And I wanted to do this episode because typically I fall into a really deep depression. <laughs> I typically tell people I don't want to talk to them, which I, I didn't realize I was doing it until Tonika pointed out. She was like, you know, every year you tell me that you don't want to talk to me or anybody. And I was like, wow, I didn't, I didn't realize that I did that. But I just be feeling really weird in the day, just always like replays in my mind over and over again. It's just, it's like a Groundhog's Day in like an evil movie. <laughs> it's like an evil movie that replays over and over again. So I just wanted to use this episode to kind of cope with the grief of it all. And instead of focusing on the negative or just getting depressed about it, just kind of share our journey so maybe that we could be an encouragement and a hope to somebody else because everyone doesn't handle grief well and with the death of, the, of a mother we could have went a lot of ways <laughs> i know people where death has affected them of their parent and they turn to drugs they turn to alcohol they turn to uh killing themselves if when you think of bobby christina and the loss of her mother whitney you know she ended in the same tragic death so all of those things could have been our story but yet we're here in Dallas, 
thriving. So uh, let's get started. Do you got anything you want to say before we get into it? No. Dun, dun. <laughs> it's your first time at Tanae Talks. How you feel? I feel awesome. I feel like a celebrity you gotta, yeah. I feel like a celebrity. You feel like a celebrity? I feel official. Well, <laughs> I am a star, and this is the hottest podcast it is. out here in these streets. Tanae Talks, a podcast that entertains and educates. Remember, Tanae Talks, and you listen. So there will be some sadness in this episode. There will be some laughter, too, because now, six years post the death, there are things that can be laughed about now that wasn't... You know, funny at the time was like devastating. So we're going to take you to seven days prior to our mother passing away. So November 22nd, 2014 was a Saturday. So 17, oh, excuse, 17, seven days before that date. Let's see. What was that? Seven days before. Seven days before was November 15th. So tell me about your day on November 15th and your, you know, interaction with mom. Well, I really can go a little bit further back than that because it probably, for me, it was probably two weeks prior to that. Um, I was working on a second master's degree at University of Michigan, and I remember meeting this girl, and she... I just thought my classmates were so all over the place. And she said, you know, Clarice, people are dealing with stuff. They're going through things. And I was like, well, what type of things are they going through? And she was like, well, you know, I lost my mom. And soon as she said that, my stomach dropped. Like, it dropped. And I called, and I remember where I was. Um, I believe, um, is it North Park? What, what mall is in, in Detroit that closed? Uh, I don't remember. I think it was Northland. It Northland. Was, it was Northland Mall. I'm sorry. Um, and we were walking, getting ready to go inside, and and I called my mom immediately because I could not imagine as much as my mom got on my nerves. Sometimes I could not imagine life without her. So I called my mom and I'm like, Mom, I'm like, my friend, her mother passed away. I I don't know what I would do. You know, if something happened to you and she was just like, mm. she and, and her response was weird because my mom never really wanted to talk about death. Mm-mm. But this particular day, her response was really weird to me um, in terms of how she, her quietness of it, even though she didn't want to talk about death, she was also very vocal. So she wouldn't have responded the way she did. So that kind of threw me off. And so when today goes back to November 15th, having that conversation with my mom, for me, it was eye-opening because it's like, you know, I can't imagine losing my mom. This is crazy. Like, I don't, I know people lose their mom, but, like, this is very close to me. Mm-hmm. So after that, uh, Miles Monroe, the minister, he passed away. Him and his wife passed away on a crash. And I was on the phone talking to a different. In, in a car crash. I mean, in, in, in a, a helicopter, a, a helicopter crash. crash. Okay. And so when, so after that. I remember having a conversation. I was at Tanae's house for something, and my mom was there because she was living with Tanae at the time, and I was just doing something. I don't know what I was doing. And I was talking to my friend, and my friend ended up saying to me, um, we were talking about the death, losing two parents, and how hard that could be at the age of 30. 
Mm-hmm. So my mom was sitting there and we were having all kinds of, we started praying, we were ministering, we do all these things. And my mom was like, y'all talking to me right now. And I was like, what? And I was like, cause I, I was like as much as, and I said to my friend, as much as Beverly always eavesdropping, if something happened to my mama, <laughs> I would lose my mind. Mm. That was my exact words. Mm-hmm. Not knowing that I was days or a week or whatever um, from losing my mother. And so that was hard. That's interesting. I never imagined my mom would die. And I know people die. I know that death is a part of life. I just never, I just thought my mom would die. Um, Our mom, I say my, but you know. Um, I just never thought that she would die (laughs) at uh, the age that she died. She died at the age of 53. And so I just thought she would live a long time. And I had reason to feel this way because the people in our family died in old in age. So I knew my great-grandmother. My mother knew her great-grandmother. My mother's great-grandmother died in her 80s. My great-grandmother, or our great-grandmother, died in her 80s. Our grandmother died um, in 2010, so four years prior to Our mom, she died at the age of 73. Our grandfather died in 2012, and he was like 70, 71. 71. And so when it came to death, I'm like, oh, people in our family die later on. Mm -hmm. I know you never get used to a parent's death no matter the age, because when my grandmother died at 73, our mother was heartbroken. She was devastated, distraught. So the pain doesn't go away no matter your age but you just feel like you have more time but don't you think we didn't really understand like we used to like mom used to be so sad and we used to be like you have us <laughs> and we didn't understand like like we knew that we we loved our grandmother like we loved, loved her. her but we didn't understand why our mother like she when we say she, when Tanae says she was heartbroken she was literally heartbroken. heartbroken and we literally didn't understand we didn't understand because we had never lost a mom So like my sister just said, we used to be like, mama, what are you sad for? You have us. My son was born at the, well, he wasn't alive when, he was in my stomach when my grandmother passed on. But then, you know, he came three months later and then my mom was still sad. She was just sad all the time. And we just didn't understand it. We were just like, well, she's older. You knew her a long time. <laughs> but how insensitive is that now? Like, mm-hmm. losing a mom now, I know that's very insensitive. You'll never get over it. Don't ever say that to somebody, like, get over it, or why aren't you over it? Just, I, I wish I could apologize. I'm sorry, mama. The, I wish I could go back in time. But uh, that's, I, think, I think that's with anything. You don't understand something unless you go through it. Right. You don't understand it. So moving forward, so we're, we'll fast forward to November 15th, 17, seven days before mom passed on. And so um, on that particular day, as my sister stated, my mom was staying with me. But she was just, <laughs> she, she never got on my nerves, but she was just starting to get on my nerves. And I hate to say that. And my mom had won a lawsuit and came into some money. Don't think we got money, y'all. She came into some money. The money came and went. <laughs> <laughs> my mama was Oprah out here with that money. You get, get some money. money. You get some money. Everybody, <laughs> Everybody gets- got some money. <laughs> 
So if you're listening to this podcast and my mama gave you some money during that time, go ahead and uh, share that, you know, like, share, subscribe. Okay. So this particular day, you know, she had came into some money like a few months prior, but you know, she still had a lot of money left over and she was just giving people money left and right. So this particular day I came home and she had went to the hair store of all places and spent over a hundred dollars on earrings. No, she spent like $200. She bought earrings and CDs. <laughs> earrings and CDs. And I was so mad. <laughs> Cause I was like, I'm a, I'm very conscientious of money and spending. <laughs> so when I feel like a person is spending something on something so frivolous, it tonight just... is cheap, y'all. <laughs> she cheap. It grinds, <laughs> frugal, frugal. It grinds my she gears. She beyond frugal. She cheap. <laughs> and so my mom just made me so bad that she spent all this money on these dollar earrings. Like, how do you spend a hundred dollars on ninety nine cent earrings? I was so mad. So you know, I vocalized that. So one thing about our mom, she always let us speak our minds, even as children. We could express ourselves. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unconditional parenting, which is another episode of Tanae Talks. Be sure to tune in. Anywho, shameless plug. So my mama did that, and I was like, why did you do that? Like, you're wasting money. You need to save your money. <laughs> I was just so mad. And so my mama, she typically didn't yell at me or cuss me out or nothing like that. She didn't treat me that way. But this particular day, she cussed me out and told me, I don't tell her what to do with her money. Because it's her money, she grown, she do what she want to do, that I got a child, I need to raise him, and don't worry about her. And when I tell y'all, I was She was clutching her pearls. <laughs> clutch. Baby, the pearls was clutch. Because I'm like, she talking to me like that? Like, Clary, no, my mama don't talk to me like that. So I'm like, uh. She always say, tonight's sensitive, you got to be careful with her. So she was trying to be fragile. But this day, I guess she was not. This particular day, so I'm looking like, mama, you got the unmitigated gall to be talking to me this way. So I left in a harumph, y'all, as Terrence always say. He's always saying I'm harumphing away, like harumph. So I harumphed away. I was so mad. I went to a sorority uh engagement we had at the sorority and then later on that day I was gonna take my mom and my son to go see the movie Big Hero 6 but when I got back I was so annoyed by my mama that I was like I ain't even taking you to the movies (laughs) I'm just gonna take AJ I just need to get away from you because I was still like mad like how dare you talk to me this way and so AJ and I went to the movie to go see Big Hero 6 well this is where it get eerie guys and this is why I be feeling like, in retrospect, like God was maybe giving us little hints and signs and preparing us for this death that was coming a week later that we didn't know about. Well, Big Hero 6 was about a little boy who loses his big brother. And he, um, his, he's, his brother is leaving him like clues behind through this robot that he made a medical like a medical robot and basically the movie kind of teaches young children about grief and I felt like so post my mom's death I was like that's weird we went to go see a movie about death and grief that teaches it in a way for children to understand and I just felt like that was God teaching it to AJ but everybody was affected by it but I was like wow in retrospect so 
I think a lot of things happen in retrospect. Like even my mom having to move with Tanae, because a lot of times I would step in. Like I was always that back person to step in. And Tanae was younger, and I felt as an older sister that was what I was supposed to do. But this particular time, my mom had gotten. You know, Tanae mentioned my mother had a mental illness, and so she she had gotten sick in March, um, and then she had gotten sick again around this particular time, which we didn't know she was getting sick at this time. And um, when she moved in with Tanae, it hurt me because I didn't want to feel like I was walking away. But the people at the hospital said, well, Clarice, you can't continue to do this or you're going to end up like your mom. And so I felt bad about it all the time because I knew Tanae was already a single parent and a mother. Like she already had whatever, but I knew that I couldn't continue to try to be a superhero. So she moved in with Tanae or whatever. And I feel like that was a need because even Tanae, even grieves to me even more than I do now because everybody grieves in different ways mm -hmm. and and I think I did mine earlier on and so I feel like if she wouldn't have had that even though we were all we both were very close to our mom and she had different relationships with us but I feel like if she if Tanae wouldn't have had that time with her in her home the way she did it would have broke her down so looking back mm -hmm. some things needed to happen to me right. that we don't may have not thought or didn't really want to go that way, but it needed to happen that way. Right. And mom didn't move. Mom didn't move in with me March, 2014. She had been living with me since late 2012. Yeah. Um, living with me. And I, I enjoyed it. We, we had us a good old time. We had a ball. Um, but yeah, in retrospect, it was like, I'm glad that she were able, she would live with me those two years. Mm -hmm. That it, it was a, it was a good thing that maybe, like she said, if she didn't live with me and, and maybe if I would have been traveling the world that I probably would have, I could have grieved worse than I grieved. Mm -hmm, <laughs> Just mm -hmm. say that. So anyway, we go see Big Hero 6 and uh, we come back. And when we come back, she's with Clarice at this point. So well, I can, things get a little sketchy because I remember you calling me like, I don't know if it was that same day. Like it I was, was the same church. day. I was, it was earlier that morning and she was yelling or something. I think was that that same day or was that the week before? That was the same day. So Tanae called me and I was at church and this is a part of me being big sister and just letting go and saying, Tanae has to step up. And so I was at church, but in my mind, the whole time I was having a hard time with not responding. Cause I was like, Tanae needs to figure out, you know, what's going on with mother. Cause I always, you know, I always kind of come to her rescue. So Tanae was like, she yelling, I don't know what's wrong with her. And so Tanae is a person that goes inward if she can't deal with any deal with things. And I'm a person kind of, I show my emotions more outwardly. And so, like, I didn't know. I was at church having a whole, like, we had a women's conference. And so even the day before, because I went over there the day before, Tanae's, because we lived uh, in the same complex. The day oh, the day you're talking about with the yelling, that was weeks before. Oh, okay. Because that's was, when Adrian and Brandon and them all had Because AJ asked me to spend a night. No, that was, was it? When you're talking about when she was yelling, what you're referring to was a couple of weeks before. Cause somebody, you so I think you were calling me and saying something that may have been. But that was weeks before. That's okay. when. Okay, cause yeah. it gets a little sketchy. I'm sorry, y'all. So like, so so the night before, AJ, I had went over there and today, AJ had asked me. He said, "Can you stay?" And baby, I guess they sensed that something's going on, so he was begging me to stay over there. I do remember that part, and I and my mom kept telling me her chest hurt, and I kept saying well, did you go to the doctor? Did you do this or whatever? And so then when I, the next day, like Tanae said, I ended up over there because I had to work. And I was working part-time at a retail store and I went over and I went to the, um, 
went to work, but I couldn't stop thinking. And so I called Tanae and asked her where she was. And I'm not going to lie. I was livid. Today, talk about I'm at the movies. I'm like, why would you leave my mom at home? Because <laughs> I knew my mom wasn't okay. I didn't know what was wrong, but I knew she wasn't okay. So I went, as soon as I got off work, I ran to her. I got to her and she did, she seemed like she was okay. She was calm, um, but she just didn't look okay. So I called one of my dearest friends and she's a social worker at the hospital. So I started telling her what's going on. And at that point, she had to direct me to take my mom to the hospital. So what's significant about that, I I briefly touched on, I didn't really say explicitly, but our mom had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, depression, schizophrenia since the age of 29. So mind you, she died at the age of 53. So for many years, she lived with this diagnosis. So my sister and I can pretty much tell, as we call it, having an episode. When she's about to go into an episode, we can pretty much sense it or see it. And typically, it looks like she's not sleeping. She doesn't want to sleep during that time. And so, uh, as Clary said, she called her social worker friend. Because, like I said, I went to the movies. I, when I came back home, my mom was with my sister at that time. And I guess she could sense that she was about to go into an episode. And so then you called your friend at the hospital. And then she said, you know, you have, you know, you have a choice. Hold on, I don't want to cry. She's like, you can... She she basically told me that I was gonna end up having to take her to um to the hospital and the the particular hospital if she was having an episode then they were gonna send her away and my words to her was if if y'all take her away because she had been hospitalized before um she and she didn't like it because they sent her away from the to area Harbor Har- Oaks. <laughs> previously they sent, they sent her somewhere else and she didn't like it and 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 I said if y'all send, if we if we do that you know um sh- that's going to take her out those those were my exact words that's going to take her out you, you we can't do that and she was like well now that you've told me Clarice I don't have any choice but to advise you and you have to follow what I said because you 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 know she's mandated to if I think my mom is not safe or whatever so she was like, unless you're going to stay at home and monitor her or do whatever. And so I was like, whoa. And I was faced with that, thinking of that. Mm -hmm. And so that particular night, I guess you were given the decision that, so we're from Flint, Michigan. There's a hospital called Hurley. In Hurley, there's a floor called Floor 2 for psych ward patients. My mom is familiar with this ward. She's been there several times. We're familiar with it. Flint is a mid-sized town. It's kind of like, cheers, you want to go where everybody knows your name? (laughs) And that's kind of how it was. But this particular night, floor two was filled to capacity. There there was no room for our our mother there. So Clary's had to make the decision on sending her to a place where she could get uh, some treatment. And so that she had to come to the difficult task of making that decision. Well, also with psych patients, they're considered adults, so you have to get the patient to agree to the suggestion you might have for them. So Clary's got mom to... um, You have to do... She she can petition it, so a lot of times the court has to step in, and in her case, even though they sent her there because she never signed off, I still had to... Uh, talk to the judge to get her admitted. Yeah. And we've always kind of made decisions for our mom or we have been able to 
talk her into going in the direction that we would feel be best for her. Because, you know, if you ever deal with someone who has schizophrenia, bipolar, depression, it could be difficult. So they got to have people around them that they trust. And our mom trusts us to make uh, best decisions for her. Um, so she gets admitted. So, no, we drive to the hospital, and it was weird because this guy was asking me for money, and I'll never forget it. I was listening to the Smokey Norfolk, and I was giving her. Um, and so when I pulled up, I was listening to I Need You Now and this random guy, and I would have never done it, so I must have been emotional. And he's like, can I have $5? And I gave it to him. My mom looked at me. <laughs> she had the biggest eyes, like, are you serious right now? <laughs> and so we get out the car. We go in. They take her in in the back, and they ask her all these questions. They ask her, like, the main questions to make, to see if she's in sound mind. Most of the questions she – all the questions she asked correctly, who's the president, when's your birthday, what's your name, things of that nature. And um, she um, – they did all this blood work because they wanted to make sure that – it was mental and not physical, but they couldn't trace anything. So with that said, the decision was made that they would take her away to um, this hospital called Havenwick. And I remember her, I will never forget, um, one of the young ladies that I went to high school with was one of the nurses on the unit, and she just kept looking at me. And so when they took my mom and put her on the stretcher, these words ring with me. You just gonna let them take me away from you? You just gonna let them take you away from you? And so she went to the hospital and I just stood there. I just felt like I hadn't been asleep. And I just felt like oh, I don't wanna make this decision. I should probably should have quit my job. And so I beat myself up. And I remember when they took her, I asked all the questions I could and I went home, I got dressed. And I called one of my good friends and I asked her, would she ride with me? And I flew to Auburn Hills, which would have been 30 to 45 minutes away from me to just to see. Because, you know, when you admit them, you can't see them right away. You have to wait a day or two. And they have certain days. And so I asked them everything I needed to ask. When can I see her? What could I do? And do all these things. And so it was just a difficult, difficult time. Yeah, that would have. That's just difficult. We have been used to our mom getting admitted over the years, and we're used to her staying no longer than two weeks. So even in this particular case, even when she got admitted, in my mind, I kind of thought, well, she'll just go get her rest, get her meds, and we'll see her in a week or two, like we've done before. I also want to put in there that psych. The psych floor was filled at the hospital because we now know in going through this process that between the months of late October to um, really New Year's, psych wards are filled um, because a lot of people, what is called SAD, seasonal affective disorder, a lot of people go into depression around this time because the holidays trigger triggers uh, memories of depression, loved ones, death, family, all those things. So um, check on your loved ones during this time of the year because that's when a lot of, you know, suicide watching all that happens during this time of the year. So Clary's um, goes to where my mom gets admitted, which is Havenwick. And we learned on that day that you can only have visitation on Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays. That's their rule. So mom gets admitted late 
Saturday night, which is kind of Sunday morning when you think of it. And we won't be able to physically see her again until Tuesday. So that Tuesday comes around. <laughs> and that Tuesday... Uh, Tonight was dressed interesting, <laughs> and my mom let her know. She was looking at her like, today had these big, was they some Marley twist or something, or some braids, or... And she had on like this uh, fall like burgundy dress. It had different colors and it. it was something my mom had bought her in some tights and some boots. And my mom was just looking at her. She was just fixated. But but so she, that was on November eighteenth. And she, <laughs> yeah, I had on these boots. I had on this orange and black dress. I was gonna keep it forever because it's the dress that. So my mom was completely out of her mind. Like she was gone. Her you know her eyes, her hair her everything she looked really bad but we felt like there was a semblance of Beverly in there when she looked at me in that dress and was looking like what the hell you got yeah. on? <laughs> but, I don't, I don't, but my view of it, I don't think she was gone. I think she really, because when we when we get to the part that we're going to share with you, I really do think some other things were going on but she, when I when I sat down with her, because Tanae is a spoiled brat. She did this to my grandmother and my mother. So Tanae was trying to get all her attention. She was rubbing on her face like she was, I don't know, 10. Like, mama. But she she needed, so she prepared us both, I believe, for her death. But we didn't realize how she was preparing us. So, But she looked at me and she said, I know that you love me. And she was trying to kind of push Tanae away. Because Tanae always was loving and kissing. And she needed to be hugged. That's just Tanae. And so she's like, I know that you love me. And she told me that you can have anything that you want. And it was just random broke up things. And she said to me, don't let people, don't let them put all this stuff in you. Or like, she was just trying to talk, but she barely can get it out. And they had told me at the hospital that they hadn't given her anything. But she kept telling me that they had. And so me, I, when I want to be an advocate, I can. So I slipped out of the room and went to the little desk that they have. And they were like, how did you get over here or whatever? And I'm like, because I need to know. You guys told me that you didn't give my mother anything. And she said that you did. And... Um, they were like, she hasn't talked since she got here. And I'm like, that's not like my mom. Even when she's sick, like, she'll say something. Even if it's a whole sermon, she's going to say <laughs> something. And so, like, she was just like, she did kind of, like, part of what Tanae said when she was like, she, in her mind a little bit, she had given up because nobody was listening to her or what was going on with her because she kept telling us she didn't feel good. The one thing she kept telling me is that her chest hurt, even before she went to the hospital. And so, like, when you have a mental illness, people don't listen listen to you because they think everything sometimes they is, dismiss you they dismiss very everything dismiss. you say is oh she crazy that right. people are very dismissive of mental health or mental illness patients so again be patient listen to mental ill mentally ill patients um people who have diagnosis don't just dismiss them and to say that someone is crazy is very dismissive so you know, don't do that. And so we see her alive on November 18th, 2014. I was going to tell when she was singing. Okay. So we got her to singing because I was like, Mom, you taught, you taught us not to never give up on God. And so she just started singing. Um, There's not a friend like a lowly Jesus. No, not one. And they were like, she talks, she sings. And so, like, she literally followed me all the way to the door like I'm not going home and I remember walking out that day thinking like she's not she's not gonna be she's not gonna be with um 
AJ for the holidays. The holidays were coming up, and I'm like, how do we explain that to him? Mm-hmm. And so that was November 18th. So mind you, we could only visit on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays. So fast forward to Wednesday. I'm feeling kind of weird, but I, you know, as Clarice mentioned, I go inward. No one at my job knows anything's going on. No, nobody really close to me knows anything going on. Because I, I just don't, at the time, I didn't talk about my mom's mental illness at all. It's just one of those things where it's like, I know it's happening. But I end up going to Barnes & Noble, which was one of my favorite places. And Maya Angelou had a new book out called Mom and Me, Me and Mom. Again, all in retrospect, I'm like, all of these signs <laughs> were there. She had this new book out. And I, I love Maya Angelou. She's one of my favorite authors. So I buy the book. And as I start to read it, it's about her mom dying and like their relationship with each other throughout the years. So I was like, wow. Like, retrospect, I'm like, wow. And I was really getting into this book. So fast forward to Thursday, November 20th. Um, Thursday, November 20th, 2014 was the last time I would see my mother alive. And I get to Havenwick after work. And it's around maybe 6.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And this time my mom is completely out of it. She's out of it. She's scared. She's visibly scared. And since I was younger, um, when my mom goes through these episodes, she always calls me her angel. She says that I'm an angel sent to her from God. And so she would only listen. But she was scared. Like, she was shaking. And so I was like, come sit down, you know, mom, come sit down. And she sits down and she just looks really paranoid. And so there was this white male nurse there and he was really rude. And I was like, and my mom, if you know my mom, we call her Danny Tanner. If you're familiar with Danny Tanner, you know, he's like super clean. My mom's like the cleanest person I've ever met in my life. Like spotless, everything, everything spotless, her body, her home, her everything. <laughs> so when I get there, my mom smells. She smells bad. I've never smelled my mom bad ever in my life. She smells bad and she looks bad. So I'm livid. And y'all know me, I got a mouth. When you piss me off, I'm going off. So I'm like, I'm going off. Like, why my mama, like, what's going on? I was like, let me bathe her. Let me give her a shower. What is going on? And the man was like, she wouldn't, she wouldn't take her meds. She refused her meds. And I was like, well, give me the medicine. I can get my mom to take the medicine. So I take her over. I was like, give it to me. And he gives it to me. He has a nasty attitude. And I got a nasty attitude, too. And I was like, I can get my mama to take the medicine. So he brings it to me. And uh, I said, Mama, it's me. It's Tanae. And she's looking at me with trusting eyes. And I was like, please take this medicine for me, Mama. And she doesn't speak. Like, she doesn't speak the whole time. She just nods her head. And I give her the medicine. And I said, y'all don't be doing y'all job. All y'all got to do is act in a nice way, and she'll take it. And I was like, where is y'all cleaning stuff? Where is it? I'm about to give my mama a shower. Can I give my mama a shower? And so he was like, yeah, you can give her a shower. I was like, where is that? And so we walked through this door because they had us meeting in like their day room. And we walked through the door. And as soon as we walked through the door, it's the other side of the institution, the, the mental hospital. And her clothes are laid all on the floor in the hospital. Her clothes are just... And, the staff and everybody's walking in and out, walking on her clothes. 
So I'm pissed to the 13th power. I'm like, what the, the fuck? I'm using F-bombs. I'm everything. Why the fuck y'all walking on my mama's shit? Pick her shit up. This is dirty. This is unsanitary. Pick her shit up right now. And they're like, what are you doing on this side? And I was like, he told me I can give her a shower. I'm giving her a shower. And they were like, you can't be on this side. I was like, pick her shit up. And they were like, well, your mom threw her clothes everywhere. And so she needs to pick it up. I was like, my mama didn't throw her clothes. You know, I'm thick. I wasn't there. But I'm like, my mama ain't throw her shit nowhere. Y'all need to pick it up. And so they're like, no. You need to leave. You need to leave. So I'm crying. I'm crying. They won't let me sh- let her shower, even though the man said I could give her a shower. They're like, you're not allowed back here. You can't do anything. You need to leave. I'm like, no. Who's in charge? Who the fuck is in charge? And I'm like, they're like, you going this way. I'm like, no. I ain't leaving until I speak to who's in charge. And then they send me in the room with some random white woman, and she's giving me all these corporate answers. And I'm like, no, if it was your mama, if it was your mama, you want them to lay your mom's clothes all on the floor and walk over her clothes like it's nothing? And they were like, she was like, well, your mom threw them, and, you know, they're telling me she threw them. But I'm thinking, my mom is like the nicest person ever. So if she's throwing some clothes on the floor, y'all had to do something to her that y'all are not telling me. So... They gave me all this crazy answers, and they was like, well, you got to end your visit short, and you got to leave. You can't come back until Saturday, and you got to get out. So at this, in the midst of that, my sister walks by the window, and I was like, Clarice, Clarice. And she, I didn't see you. I never saw, I never got to see you, but. Because when, when I walked yeah. out, you were like, that mama, they, you said you were mad at mom, and you said she said she don't want to see me. I that, thought I called you, but I don't I don't know. It's, it's all blur, but. I at this point they wouldn't let me in, but <laughs> yeah, but you thought that mama didn't want to see you. And you were like, I drove here all after work and she doesn't want to see me. They said she doesn't want to see me. And I was like, No, they're lying. It was they're very- lying. I was like, they she's not even talking. They won't let her come out. It was very emotional for me because I was doing a lot of the back end work. Like I said, I have to I would I at the time I was in graduate school, so I was you know, still talking to the judges and all that other stuff because while she's in the facility, I have to fight for different things. So I have been dealing with the patient advocate, trying to advocate to get her closer to home because I just didn't like what was happening. And so I remember speaking to the patient advocate even before today. Cuss the people out at the facility, <laughs> and I remember we we were we were. I was like, she needs to be closer to home, and I felt like they were doing a lot of shady things. Like um, one day they called and they didn't tell me it was a hearing, and so I didn't get the letter until the day after the hearing took place. Um, they uh, called me and it was just random. They had like an intern call me and ask me what type of medication she was on. And at the time they were in a hearing, but they never told me about it. But I'm pretty sure the judge that was on that call had been dealing with me since I was a teenager. So I'm pretty sure she knew that this child that I've been seeing for a, a long time up until she was an adult, she always shows up for her mom. So mm-hmm. I don't believe that she's not like here. Mm-hmm. So, um, with that said, Tanae did. Tanae went up there at Cloud because they would let me see the nurse, the male nurse she is talking about. I do remember him, and he was like, "She doesn't want to see you." He just the way I sound is the way he looked, and <laughs> he, he was rude very, and nasty, and he like, looked scary. I was I was about to <laughs> catch ten cases, throw every hand I got on these 
people up in here. Because <laughs> I had dro- driven all the way back from my campus and I had like grabbed, like went home, got my mom pajamas, got a bag and drove back up there. And by the time I got there, they was like, she doesn't want to see you. And they, and, you know, they were saying all these different things. And I was just like, oh my God, like what happened? And so I sat in the car and once I came to myself, I knew that wasn't true, but it hurt at the time because it was such a stressful week. I think I was taking um, final exams and just trying to make sure that she got home Mm -hmm. and according to the patient advocate she was coming home that saturday like that's what i was looking for for her to be placed in hurley hospital by saturday today can go on so (laughs) then we get to the actual day that my mom died um, which is saturday november 22nd 2014. it started like any ordinary day Um, at the time I worked for an organization where we did things for my students on Saturdays so I had to work that Saturday and take my students to a community service event and so I was getting up getting dressed getting ready to go cheery and happy and a good mood because I'm like oh I'm gonna work get to see my students and then soon as I leave my students I'm gonna go visit my mom because I ain't seen her since Thursday and they better have had been treating her right since I seen them on Thursday. And as I'm getting ready to go to work, my sister calls me and says, uh, Tanae, um, they said mama not breathing, so um, I'll call and let you know. I was like, well, okay, girl, just let me know when you get word of what they're talking about because I'm about to go to work. I'm going to let my boss know. and i'm standing like nothing so i skip on to work because we were at the food bank of eastern michigan distributing boxes and i get there and i'm taking pictures with my students and i'm they hey miss sims hey i'm i'm hey i'm having a good time my boss gets there i'm like oh yeah um my sister said that my mama wasn't feeling that well so if she called me i'm gonna have to go is that okay and he was like yeah and i'm just being as casual as casual can be and uh so my sister calls me maybe maybe an hour and a half of me being there and then she was like uh come to the hospital they to the hospital in Pontiac Michigan she said come to this hospital and see if Uncle Frankie can ride with you see if somebody can ride with you I was like Okay. Because <laughs> so. I never called her back because I already know my sister. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, I'm oblivious the whole time, y'all. I'm having the greatest day of my life. Y'all know me. If y'all ride in the car with me, I'm listening to trap music. So I called my Uncle Frankie, but nobody answered the phone. And I couldn't even think of nobody else to call. So I'm just listening to trap music all the way down. Uh, what's that, 75? <laughs> just driving, having a good old time and a good old day. So, like, but before even, like, they called me at 7.50. They called me at 7.50 a.m. And so I get up, and my mom doesn't like me going in her makeup, but I oftentimes did. And so I had her purse, and I was putting on her makeup. And, I and like Tanae said, weird things happening. So I, call, I was talking to God, and he was like, I don't know why you're putting it. I felt like he was saying, why are you doing this right now? Like, I could feel like my mom was already gone, like, after they had called me. So when I, like what Tanae said, I called her, and I told her I would call her back, but I did not call her back. I called my mom's best friend. She's been her friend since she was four years old. And I asked my mom's friend to ride with me. Um, and she said, okay. And I should have knew my mama was gone then. Because 
everybody know my mama best friend. She yeah. always going on a shopping trip. She goes somewhere. She was available, y'all. And so she, she said, just take me by the credit union. Okay, I'll go. And so. Girl, because she thinks she was about to, if it was going to Pontiac, that would have turned into a trip for her anyway. Like, when we leave, we just going to go shopping. So, yeah. And so, um and so um, I get I get to the hospital, and, and, and still I'm oblivious. I should have known something was wrong, because as soon as I get to the hospital, I sashay on in. And I said, I'm here for Beverly Sims. And then someone shouted down the hallway, she's here for Sims. And then somebody else was like, follow me down this hallway. This It was just like, like that, and I was like, Okay, <laughs> but she not the only person oblivious because my mom friend was still oblivious. We get in this room, they they got fruit, they got cheese. Mama T is sitting in the corner eating like 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 it's just like they did they were there treating us or something. And I'm like, do you, this can't they don't just give you food at the hospital? I've never experienced it, but I knew something had to be wrong. Either she was gonna be something like she needed long term care or she was gone. But my mom friend sitting in the corner. So Tanae walks in. No, Tanae calls me and I t- and she was wa- as she was walking in, I guess as they directed her. And so they they telling me, Don't tell her over phone. I'm thinking, I know I- know who I'm dealing with. I'm so not you know, so how did they tell you that she passed on? So when we came in, when I came into the hospital, basically they told me to sign these papers. And at that point, I think I was kind of oblivious, but they were looking at me weird. Like the young girls was looking at me like, oh my God. So then when I walk into the room, they had me sit there. Like I said, my mom, best friend sitting over in the corner, enjoying the snack tray that they had provided for us. <laughs> and <laughs> I was sitting there like okay the doctor came in he was young and you can tell he had a lot of compassion and he kept saying was she sick was she sick I, I, I mean was she and he and I said well what is it and he was like I, I just know that I did everything to do everything I could do to resuscitate her and I said is she dead and he was like I did everything and he just he sat in the chair and the nurse had to like kind of calm him because he really didn't want to tell me that mm-hmm. and he was like but just please know that when she arrived she was already dead that's what he said to me he wanted me to know that she was already out of here and he had nothing to do and it didn't make sense to him that she was gone how did you feel at that point it was still a shock and so T sitting in the corner and she like she still didn't gather this man said to my mama <laughs> Dad. <laughs> she in the corner and she like so what you mean? She did? Before she could get upset, Tanae was the saving grace because she called it. Everybody knows they got to be strong for Tanae. So Tanae calls. And when Tanae calls, I'm like, they like, don't, they whispering to me, don't tell her. I said, I'm not going to tell her over the phone. So she walks in and she's like, what? So I walk in and I say, "Why y'all? Looking? everybody's staring at me like the star that I am. Like, I know I'm a star, but every, all eyes on me. And I was like, why y'all looking at me like this? What? What? My mama, she automatically went, (laughs) is my mama dead? (laughs) That's exactly it. I was like, what y'all trying to tell me? Y'all trying to tell me my mama dead? Y'all trying to tell me my my mama dead? And my, I don't know, it was like my spirit hopped out my body. And I went crazy. She said, you killed my mama. 
I said, you killed my mama. And I charged for him like the north side G that I am. And I about punched him in Me the face. Me and my mom best friend had to grab her, y'all. She had lost her mind. And I knew that man hadn't done anything to my He was too compassionate. He was too, the way he delivered to me, I knew that he was just as baffled as we were. But Tanae wasn't there for the full thing. So she went straight for him, y'all. And he... It was like something out of cartoon. He backed up against the wall, eased out the side, and ran out the back. And it was like a, I guess, a social worker in there. And they were like, calm down. And Clary shook me. And was like, stop it. Stop it. I need you. I need you. I shook her when we got back there with my mom because we had to No, that was before we went over there. We were in that room. Okay. And then, and so before we got over there, I called my brother. I called my older brother. And I was, I called everybody, y'all. This was my spill. First, I called my brother. I said, they killed my mama. He said, where you at? I was like, I'm going to text you. So I told him where I was at. Then I called my boss. I said, I can't come back to work. They killed my mama. He said, what? Don't you say nothing like that. I hung up with him. I called my Uncle Jerome. Uncle Jerome, they killed my mama. <laughs> and then I called Tonika. I said, Tonika. She, she was like, what? I was like, they killed my mama. <laughs> she was cooking, and she dropped. I heard her drop the plate that she was washing dishes. I heard it break. And I just told everybody that they killed my mama. And so then I called my baby daddy. Now, y'all got to know, me and my baby daddy was not together. And half the time, we'd be beefing with each other. (laughs) I called my baby daddy. I said, they killed my mama. He said, where you at? I told him. I think it came. And we was about to kill everybody in the hospital. (laughs) Oh, Lord. But I had to I had to get her back to reality. I need you. We we still in the land of the living, so I need you to tap back in. And I think what kept us both saying is that our mother body, you know, most time when somebody dies, they get cold instantly. But literally, y'all, she stayed warm to two o'clock, and maybe because she had all the love on her body, all the meat on her body, that she stayed warm and she didn't go hard till about two o'clock, and and she was pronounced dead at eight eleven a.m. So it was just like. I think that kept, because we kept hoping that she would wake up. Even my mom's best friend kept saying, we hope that she will wake up. And the weird thing about it, the facility that she came from, they sent a nurse with her. So that's why we also think it was shady. Like, yeah, we know that they were shady. Havenwick, Havenwick, y'all killed my mama. To this day, I know y'all did. And if I see y'all on the streets, if I find out anybody, if I find out the names. But that's a whole nother story. We had to do a post episode about when BuzzFeed contacted about us to let us know. BuzzFeed, the news source, contacted us us and let us know a year late, two years later, 2016, that there was some foul play that took place. Don't get me to get started. So anyway, um, that's the Mm -hmm. day that our mom died. my mom, they let us into the room to see her, and she looked so peaceful. She looked so serene. Her face was so pretty. Like, mind you, I saw her alive on November 20th. She looked really bad. She looked crazy. Like, literally, she looked crazy. But when she was laid on that table, her skin was clear and smooth mm-hmm. and pretty. She just looked so pretty. She looked like an angel. And we were staring at her, and we were cup hoping she was going to wake up. And so by this time, uh, one of my best friends, Tonika, came, and I was just sitting in the corner rocking y'all like a movie. I was like, get up, mama. Get up. <laughs> then Tonika said, shut up. <laughs> she not about to get up. And so 
our pastor, shout out to Pastor Kenneth L. Stewart of the Houseberry Missionary Baptist Church, Pastor Stewart. Pastor Stewart came and prayed, and I'm thinking, like, his prayer just go, raise her up like Nazareth. Mm -hmm. And she never got up. And then, you know, after that prayer, me and my baby daddy was going to go to Havenwick and kill everybody in there. And then my mom's best friend said I couldn't ride with him and that I had to go home. Because I, <laughs> I had to go pick up my mom's clothes, and she said, don't send tonight. You better go. But uh, I also, they tried to take my mom organs which is hospital procedure if somebody agrees to that on their license but she never agreed to that that's not who my mom was yeah she, she did not believe in organ donations sorry so she wasn't your candidate pastor stewart ended up calling me because they wouldn't let the funeral home in which he also worked for take her body like that was the advantage of having him as our pastor and also you know being the person at the funeral home and so he called me and so I think I went into Tanay mode because I was like <laughs> I called I, call, I was on my high, on the highway and he was calling me because I was on my way home and he said they won't release the body they're actually trying to take her organs and I remember calling the head nurse like I will come and turn that whole hospital up because I did not <laughs> turn who, that bitch out who, period who, who uh who authorized this like you're not gonna just take her you organs. ain't about to take my mama organs and that's on period because we were, we had to get a, that was another weird thing they wouldn't give her that's a whole nother that's episode. another that's uh, another episode they wouldn't give her autopsy um, we had to pay for it it's a that's crazy. a whole nother so <laughs> we could be talking about the day my mama died for <laughs> years to come um but long story short we get home and you know at this time word has spread uh, that my mom had passed on and she was loved by many 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 pe people and people came over i forgot to say earlier in the week because my mom was in um, the hospital had reached out to my doctor to give me some Xanax and um, to help with my anxiety that my mom was having another episode. And so when I got home, <laughs> um, I played Boys to Men, a song for mama, took a handful of Xanax and passed out. <laughs> I can look back at it now and laugh, but You'll never have anybody in your life like your mother. Um, yep. My mother had a lasting impression on me for the rest of my life. And her prayers, everything that she ever prayed for me and my sister, were able to live it out. And maybe her, she knew she needed to go for those things that happen. Sometimes I kind of feel that way, that she just knew. And after my mom died, I, just, I started going to therapy I've never, I've never been against there because my mom have gone my whole life, but I never thought that I needed it for myself until after she died. And one of the things the therapist said, I was angry at my mom for dying, and I said she shouldn't have left me. Why she, why did she leave me? And the therapist said, you know, you don't know the conversation your mom had with God. And so I always think about that. So I want to leave you with some tips to help you in times of grief. Number one, seek and accept support. You cannot travel this path alone. Um, if you have loved ones, if you have siblings, if you have a church family, friends, or even reach out to people who have may have lost a, a parent as well or a mother or whomever, um, get support. Number two, accept your grief. Don't try to run and hide from your grief. And that's what I tried to do. I kept trying to think that I was supposed to be over it soon. I'm supposed to be over it and I'm supposed to be back happy and everybody is supposed to know that I'm doing it and I'm handling this 
grief like a champ. Um, so, you know, on social media, people would be like, you're just handling it so well. And I was dying on the inside. I didn't want to live. I don't know how I was AJ mama for two years after she died because mm-hmm. <laughs> that was God carrying us through because, child, it was something else. So don't hide from it. Don't run from it. Accept it. And as my therapist told me, I used to always feel like, well, I'm not the first one to lose my mama. And I had her for 29 years. There are people who lost their mom at earlier ages. And she said, but that was your mom. So you have the right to grieve and shout and scream and kick over your mom. Uh, The next is uh, find role models. You are not the first to travel this road of grief. Again, ask someone who's been through it. Um, um, The next thing is to learn about grief. Learn about grief. There are several stages to grief, and you might not have known that grief can cause you to overeat, undereat. It caused me to overeat. People kept asking me, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? And I used to be like, girl, just give me a peach cobbler. And she was eating <laughs> I was eating peach cobblers. Like, peach cobblers was going out of style and gained about 30 pounds. <laughs> and I lost weight. I didn't eat. <laughs> um, next, express your grief. You cannot. It cannot stay hidden with you. So every time you're trying to hide it and try to show a happy front. That's what I kept trying to do. I kept thinking I just had to be happy and show up for everybody when I should have took a lot of that time um, to grieve. What say you? What What are some tips you would offer? Someone? Just allow yourself to feel. You know, people mean well when they say things to you like, oh, God wouldn't make no mistakes, but trust me, I know you don't want to hear that. So don't you don't have to take that in. Just be who you are. You don't have to be rude and nasty. But just kind of turn some of that off. I'm not saying don't embrace them, but allow yourself to feel. And I remember telling myself I wasn't going to go crazy. So all the things that people were trying to make me to do because they wanted to try to make me feel better, I knew that I... I had to grieve in the way that I needed to grieve. So I accepted most of their support, but whatever I needed to do that was healthy and safe. And I do agree with Tanae, counseling is important. You know, you should at that time probably, you know, meet with a professional and kind of walk yourself through and embrace your, your family members. Um, but also knowing that it's your journey, just like anything else, and allow yourself to grieve in that way. And like Tanae said, it was two years later, and I was opening up mail like, they sent me that. <laughs> like, I didn't even know that came. Like, I thought I was sane, and I don't think that I am, I'm just now coming to it. Like she said, six years later, I can feel again. I can breathe again, and I'm like, even TV shows that I watched like six years ago, I'm like, that happened. Like you think that you're, ex- you're, you're you ba- think everything is normal child, but in retrospect, you'd be like, I was literally in a cloud. Just, I was a, I was a human shell just mm-hmm. going through surviving. the motion. Yeah. I was just sur- uh, surviving. So thank you for being on the show. How do you feel? That was like really good. Like that was that was good to talk about it. Cause I mean, you know, Tanae and I can talk about it. And so that's the good thing about having a mom that we have. Like she taught us love. So we have our tiffs or whatever, but she really instilled love and love loving us. So from the time that she's died, that's one thing that we've been able to share. But having this moment to talk about it a little bit more in the studio, mm-hmm. it it made it feel it, it was something that I think we needed to do. It's kind of therapeutic. Yeah. It's therapeutic to talk about it. So if you have any questions about it now, I can talk about it now. At the time, it was very insensitive. Don't 
just call people and ask them how your mama died. People were in my inbox and they how your mama died. And, and they, it, it's not that they even cared. They just were being nosy. You talking about in the inbox. They were in the, let me tell y'all, <laughs> I was about to go to jail in the receiving line because my mama funeral was packed. And people were, this lady, you want, I don't know who you are, but for you to walk up to me in the middle of the receiving line and say, I just talked to, see your mama last week or talked to her or whatever she said. She was like, but how did she die? Was she sick? I wanted to beat the woman down. That's just rude. Don't do That's that. That's rude. Don't do that shit, period. Don't be asking people how somebody died. I'm open about it now. I used to be very closed off about it. I used to just say, my mom died and she wasn't sick. And she was not physically sick. She was mentally sick. She wasn't physically sick. It's still a shock to me that my mom died at the age of 53. I still grieve. I still cry. I don't cry as much as I used to. Terrence told me that since uh, in the last year or so, he says, you don't, you don't uh, cry as much as you used to. And he said, I'm proud of you. Because, <laughs> baby, I would burrow streep you in a minute we get to talk about my mama. So um, Beverly Sims, her sunrise, January uh, 28th, her sunset, November 22nd, uh, 2014. We thank you, Mom, for the life that you live. We dedicate this show to you. AJ loves you still. You still his number one granny. You still the best mama this side of heaven. And we thank you for being our mama, God. We thank you, Lord, for giving um, her to us. And so uh, we're going to end it with a song for mama.
it, that concludes yeah. this wonderful episode of the Tanae Talks podcast. Remember, Tanae Talks is the podcast that entertains and educates. Remember, Tanae Talks and you listen.